Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Get ready as Pastor Jim teaches in his series, The Fantastic Four. Four simple choices that will radically change your life. And if you're ever in the Nashville area, we would love for you to be our special guest. You can visit our website at joychurch.net for service times and events. This is session number three that I'm very excited about. I'm really looking forward to ministering this to you. We've been entitled this The Fantastic Four. As we jump into 2019, these are four simple decisions that we can make this year that if we'll do them by the end of this year, they will radically change our lives. Anybody in the house ever make a bad decision? Come on, you, you ever get your hand? You ever you ever make a bad decision? It, it wasn't coming here, was it? You, you, that's how you lifted your hand, kind of like that. We've all made bad decisions, your pastor included. And as I write these series, I always think about the things that I've done. I try to be very transparent and can convey them to you. I've shared this story before, but it's worth repeating because I have the microphone. I remember my 16-year-old son, he's now working with the kids. He was here in the worship service yesterday. I was thinking back to when John, my 16-year-old son, was born. I'm an older dad. I was 40 when he was born. I'm 57 now, and so you can, you can do the math. I just convinced him two weeks ago that I'm not his granddad, so he's excited. So as an older dad, we waited a while. We really did because we went into ministry. And when we first went into ministry, we really had nothing. And so we waited quite some time. My wife uh, is six years older than I am. And so we went. <laughs> okay, six years younger. You all knew that. And that's why you laughed. Uh, but we waited quite some time. And, and, and so when, when we finally had John, we were not too experienced uh, in this childbirthing thing. And particularly as a man. Um, I was dropped on my head a lot, Dr. Bill, when I was younger, and you'll be able to tell that by this story. I remember uh, it was time uh, just about to give birth to John, and please just don't, 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 you'll learn a lot from this story. We have a, a married couple and a little pregnant woman right here. You'll learn a lot from this story, believe me. So but you take good notes here. And, and so we, I remember it was about that time, and we were at a prayer meeting uh, at World Changers Bible Institute. We were in, in Knoxville at the time. And, and I remember then Anne began to get some contractions, and, and they began to get a little bit more intense and a little closer together. And we got through the prayer meeting, and we went home, and it was starting to get late, about 10, uh, 10.30 at night. And, and so she, she said to me, she said, well, she said, honey, she said, it's getting a little bit intense and a little bit close. I said, honey, how about this? Why don't we just go to sleep 
And then we can wake up the next day rested and refreshed and we'll be all ready to give birth. I literally have women here in about the fourth row just shaking the head of me, you moron, you are a moron. You're a man, you're a moron. I know I'm, I, I'm a man. I can only think out of one side of my brain. You have to, have to understand. And so she said, no, I think there's a little more intense than that. We, we better get going. So we got our things together, and, you know, it was about 1, and, and, and the, the hospital was a good ways off, about 1 in the morning when we finally left for it. And, and, and so I, we, I dropped her off, and we got her into the triage, and she was examining. And really, they let us know it was going to be maybe about four to six more hours before uh, Anne was going to give birth. So I thought, okay, I've got all the time in the world. And so I got in my car, and, and I thought we are going to be there for a while. And, and so as a man, I needed to find a really good parking space. <laughs> I have women just mocking me, hating me. And so I took a whole lot of time finding a really good space, you know, making sure that I wasn't next to another car so they couldn't open the door and ding me, you know, at the hospital. You know how you know, people are at the hospital. And so just very thorough, very methodical thought. I was making a great decision. And in the process of that, I was a little bit late getting up to the hospital room. They'd admitted her now to the hospital room, my wife. And, and as soon as I walked in, I'll never forget, it was 1.50 in the morning, Soon as I walked in, my wife's water broke. I have that effect on women. <laughs> Don't look me in the eyes. Just look away. I'm kind of like Medusa, you know, except rather than turn to stone. <laughs> this face, the radio face, will do it every single time. And it was literally 10 minutes, 10 minutes and four pushes uh, John was born, and she didn't even feel John coming out. She looked at me, she said, where, where are we in the process? I said, he's out. <laughs> no joke. So it happened so fast, only there were two nurses and me, barely me. The doctor didn't even make it till a half an hour later. He walked in the room, and I looked at him right in the eyes. I said, Doc, if you were Domino's, that delivery would have been free. <laughs> I did, that's exactly what I told him. He laughed, just like you did, and billed me anyway. <laughs> True story, not a good decision on yours, truly, and I can tell uh, by the women who have had babies that there's a lot of animosity heading towards this pastor right, right at the moment. And Anybody else make a bad decision ever? We've all been there. Our decisions are so vital to us. The choices that we make really begin to determine who and what we are in life. Let me give you five dynamics on decisions because they are so important. And before we touch into them, listen to this stat. This is really an eye-opener. And, and I'm not against New Year's resolutions. You know, so many people make them this time of year. But I just watch people, and I watch people, they, they turn over a new leaf, and they discover the other side of the leaf is just as dirty as the one side that they turned over. And it's a stat a study was just done, 92% of all New Year's resolutions are broken by Valentine's Day. Now think about that. Why is that? And I can tell you why it is. Listen to me very closely. So many of us are goal-oriented, and goals are good. I'm a goal kind of a guy, but we're goal-oriented and not systems-oriented. And what will happen is if you set a goal and you focus on the results and don't change your daily systems, nothing is going to change. 
And I'm really, really big on this. Well, what do, you, what, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, think about how this culture is set up. When we make uh, good decisions, let, let, let's say we've made a resolution and this year I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to lose that weight, I'm going to join uh, uh, a gym, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join Remove, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get going. I'm gonna, I, hear there, I got a couple of gym owners right there, I'm going to get going, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, this is my year to get in shape. Come on, Israel, come on, Crystal, teach me how to do it. And so you, maybe you've gone two whole weeks now to remove gym, and you're ready to go, and you've jogged now, and, you know, you've done the, the, the rope thing, you know, you've done all that, and, and the, it's a maniac, maniac, you've done all of that. And so now, here you go, two weeks, you know, and you're going to get on the scale, boom, boom, and you've gained two pounds. And you think, what in the world? I mean, I did all that for two weeks, and I see no immediate results. Or maybe you said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get out of debt. Uh, $20,000 worth of student debt, and I'm, th this month I'm going I'm I'm to fast coffee. No more Starbucks. I'm going to save 100 bucks. I'm going to apply that to, the, to my debt. And you apply it, and now you got it to 100 bucks, and now you got it to 19900 <laughs> And you think, I did all of that and gave up all of that coffee. I love coffee. I love the book of Hebrews. I don't understand. <laughs> Very, very little results with those right decisions. And so we are geared, this culture gears us because right decisions take a while to produce right results. It gears us and conditions us to give up on that gym and to give up on those good decisions in just two weeks. Conversely, the culture gears us up to if we make wrong decisions, it has very little effect on us. I mean, we can, we can take, uh, I know I need to com communicate with my spouse. Uh, we have been having a little rough patch lately. I need, need to spend a little bit of time with her. But instead, I spend three hours playing Fortnite with my buddies. And, and, and so I come out, and she really wasn't too mad at me. She was fine with it. And she didn't say she was going to divorce me or anything. She was, uh, well, that maybe reinforces that. So now I go back to that. Nothing wrong with Fortnite for three hours as long as it's once in a while. But if it starts to erode at your marriage, or, you know, maybe you can go by, you see, there's that new donut shop now on, uh, on North Mount Juliet Road. Have you noticed that? Donut time. Uh, how many know, it, for most of you, donut time is 24-7? When's donut time? Every time I drive by, that's when donut time is. <laughs> And so we go into donut time and we get, you know, a dozen with the sprinkles and the twinkles and the maple and the cream and the, all of that. And, and we, you know, knock out about half of them in one setting. And then, and then, and then we get on the scale and really not too much damage. Gained a pound. Big whoop. Just a pound. And it reinforces our negative decisions. So we think, well, because we didn't experience immediate results... Right decisions really don't matter. Or because we didn't experience immediate consequences, wrong decisions really don't matter. And so therefore, I have more fun with the wrong decisions. Let's make more of those. Let me give you five dynamics of decisions. This is so important. Number one, check it out. Little compromises that no one sees produces great failures that everyone sees. I've seen this over and over and over. I've particularly seen it among people in the ministry. This is my 35th year of being in the ministry. I've seen lots of failures in the ministry, and it always results 
from that little life point right there. Little compromises that nobody sees always produces great failures that everybody sees. And conversely, the better news is also true. Number two, I love this one. Little sacrifices that no one sees produces great successes that everyone sees. Listen to me very closely. If you show me anybody who is successful in any area of their life, I will show you a person that has daily habits or daily systems that produces that success. I will show you someone that you don't see what they do behind the scenes. You only see the harvest that they have in front of the scenes, and therefore you desire the harvest without wanting to sow the seeds. Uh, one habit that I've always had, my wife can attest to this, and I've been good at this for, I, I've, I've literally had people tease me about this and make fun of me about this, but I've always had this habit ever since she's known me, and that habit is this, anytime I get $10 or $20 for my birthday or some kind of a little thing like that, I will always tithe because I'm returning to God what belongs to him anyway, and then the second thing I will do is I will pay myself. I always then put away finances. I've been doing that since I was a teenager. And I can tell you it's not what you make, it's what you do with what you make. And listen to me very closely. Here I am, I'm 57 years old, and I have absolutely no debt. No house debt, no car debt. There's no debt on this ministry. We are personally and ministerially absolutely and totally debt-free because it is little sacrifices that no one sees that produces great successes that everybody sees and everybody wants. And it's so important that we make that connection with our decisions. Diligence is simply doing little things for a long time till it makes a big difference. Laziness is simply doing neglecting little things for a long time till it makes a big difference. And it works on both sides of the fence. Third thing that you need to understand in life and decisions, check it out. God never wastes good decisions. They're simply seeds that will eventually harvest. That's the good news. You may not think that those decisions that you've made, joining that gym and eating right and so forth, you might think that it is not producing a harvest right now. But if you'll hold steady and continue to do it over a consistent period of time, you'll be surprised at this time next year what a difference it will make in your life. Fourth thing that you need to know, and it really is true, we are the sum total of the decisions that we've made. That's why your decisions and my decisions, they do matter. And then the fifth thing that we need to know about decisions, decisions we make today will directly affect who we are, what we become, what we do tomorrow. My decisions matter. Your decisions matter. Would you say that with me? Say, my decisions matter. They really do. Let me challenge you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm challenging people to make the right decisions in 2019. And one of the greatest decisions you can make, I talked about it a moment ago, is when you go all in in the kingdom of God for 2019. We prepared a video. I've got a wonderful video of a great couple that have really gone all in over the last year, and boy, it has dramatically affected their life. This is a great all-in video of Todd and Edie Meyer. Check it out.
We started attending Joy Church um, in April of 2016. We received a flyer in the mail and we had no idea how that would change our life. In November 2017, we decided to go all in and it has drastically changed our life. It's nothing we can really put our finger on, just little subtle things uh, that have changed in our life from our relationships to communication to understanding God's love for us. Um, I never, everyone knows God loves them. God loves you, Jesus loves you. We've all heard that our whole life, but to really understand God's love for us has really changed our, my life completely. And all those subtle things add up to huge things in your life if you just reach out and give Him the opportunity to, to do what He wants to do in your life. Step back and, and embrace what He's trying to do. You know, serve. I, I'm on the Usher team. I love it. It's, it's an opportunity to meet new people. It's an opportunity to welcome people to the church. It's an opportunity to continually meet the same people every Wednesday and stuff like that. It just, it's such a blessing to be part of that. And when we decided to go all in, we also joined WCBI, started taking those classes. Um, I'm on the Women of Joy team, and um, I'm on a hostess team and then special events. It's really changed a lot for me because I love reaching out to people. And what helped me decide to go all in was the warmth and the welcome I felt from my first Women of Joy event when I knew no one. And the way they reached out to me, I thought, I want to be a part of that. I want to change the life for somebody else. We also served together in the Joy Store right. because it's something we wanted to do together, an opportunity to serve together and reach out to people in the Joy Store. As Pastor Jim always says, go all in, give God one year, and you won't recognize yourself. I think the greater thing is that other people don't recognize me. The old ED is gone. I am a new person. I'm a new creature in Him. I look at life differently. And going all in for both of us, our relationship as husband and wife is totally awesome, incredible. I, I never thought I could have the kind of relationship I have with a woman until I put God at top of the page and went all in. And all in has made me a better husband for her, a better father for my kids, a better brother to my, my brother, uh, just a better person in general. Come on, give God a big thanks. The Myers were here at yesterday's service, but what a great example of making a great decision to go all in for 2019. That's not for our benefit. It really is for yours. Over the last number of weekends, we've been talking to you about those fantastic four decisions that we can all make that will radically change your life this year. Let's review them very quickly. We talked to you the last couple of weekends about choosing God's purpose over popularity. Uh, we talked to you last week, and we're going to con uh, continue or begin to talk about today, surrender over control. Next weekend, we're going to be talking about discipline over regret and then important over urgent. We challenge you. These are your fantastic four that if you will make these choices in 2019, your life will radically change. Today, we are going to jump into surrender versus control. Are you ready? Anybody in the house, be honest with this pastor, that at some point in your life you tried to control something that you had no business controlling? Come on, my hand is up. Listen to me. You, every hand in the house should be up. Come on, let me try it again. Be honest. Now, you've tried to control something. How, how many, your first reaction when I asked you that question was to look to the person next to you and to lift their hand for them. 
If you had that reaction, take good notes during this session. You're going to need this uh, quite badly. We've all uh, tried to control things that's sometimes in human nature. You know that. Uh, my wife, I, when, when she's, she vacuums, I mean, she's got to have it just in nice, very nice lines, and, and it has to be very uh, perfect line, and every little crumb has to be covered. She just is, uh, has to be very meticulous along those lines. Uh, me, I, my big control area has the word control in it. It is the remote control. <laughs> <laughs> and you understand because it's not a, really about what's on, it's what is, uh, might be coming on that is exciting. You have to keep flipping because you don't know what is going to be coming on. You could miss something. You could miss Die Hard 3 for the ninth time. You don't want to miss that. And plus, if she has control of the remote control, it would always magically turn to Hallmark, which is of the devil. So I insist on controlling the remote control. I'm a control freak when it comes to my remote control. And that's why we learned a lesson a long time ago. We've got two TVs. <laughs> We've all tried to control something, have we not? Let's take a look at some verses that are really poignant on surrendering to the things of God. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. I love these verses. I could quote them to you. You probably have heard them before, but they are so powerful when it comes to surrendering to God. I, I, I love these verses. Check it out. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. What powerful verses. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and don't try to take control of this situation. Because I watch, we get in this very vicious cycle as people. I've seen it over and over and over again, and the cycle goes something like this. Check it out. The more we try to control, the more afraid we are of losing control, and therefore the more that we try to continue to control. And it becomes this really nasty cycle where we can't break out of. And let me be honest with you, in 35 years of ministry, Here's where I've seen people try to control things the most. They've had some tragedy, some calamity, or maybe some awful divorce, or some sort of premature death, or something along those lines, or a, a father that messed up, or a mother that was absent. And so what they'll try to do is they'll try to control because they don't want that hurt or that thing to happen. Again, a lot of that's born out of a good heart. I'm trying to protect my kids or I'm trying to protect my life. And a lot of that's born out of a good heart. But the problem with that, ladies and gentlemen, is we are not God. Let me explain. I, I, as an unbeliever, I did not give my life to Jesus until I was 20. And, and, and as an unbeliever, I had a lot of ungodly relationships before I met the Lord. And, and I remember when I went to college, uh, to the University of Tennessee, I, I, all those years ago, I, I remember I met a girl there in college and we fell in love. I, 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 I'm, her name was Tara. The, by the way, this broadcast goes all over the place on videocasts all over this country and, and, and all over the world, really. We're, we're big in Hong Kong. 
We really are. We're, we're in, we're, for whatever reason, people in Hong Kong love me. Oh, cha Because <laughs> I talk their language. You understand what I'm saying. And so, and, and so, Tara, if you're seeing this via video cast, you really blew it, girl. <laughs> big mistake. Big, big mistake. And Tara, we were very much in love, and we thought we were going to get married and, and, and all of this. And, you know, it's college, romance, and college love, and we're getting married. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Tara dumped me. She was gone with the wind. But ever since I've met Anne, frankly, I don't give a darn. <laughs> see how I cleaned that up for you Christians? You see how I did that? I did that very nicely. So listen to me very closely. I, I, I remember that. I went through a tremendous amount of hurt as an unbeliever when, I, when she dumped me. I, it was very uh, hard on my heart. And so then as a young believer, after I met Jesus, that was the one area in my life that I tried to control. I didn't want to give that to God because I didn't want to get hurt anymore. I didn't fully trust God with all of my heart and lean not to my own understanding. I thought, I got this, God. I'll control this area. And little did I know, as a young believer, that was the number one area that messed me up over and over and over again. It wasn't that I was dating unbelievers. I was dating Christians, but they were not who they said they were. And I just decided, being the brain surgeon that I am, after this area messed me up over and over and over, I'm going to stop controlling this issue. I'm going to surrender it to God. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not to my own understanding. I'm going to begin to acknowledge him in this. And he began to direct my path right to my lovely wife. Deal with it, Tara. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. And I wouldn't want to be married to anybody else but my bride. 28 years, I love this girl. She loves me. She loves me so much. <laughs> Many things going on in here. Must keep them in here, Israel. I'm going to keep them right there. So come on, what do you say, church? You say, well... Give me a Bible example. I give you a great Bible example of people that really took some things back from God and began to try to control them in their life. You know the story of Sarah and Abraham. At that time, it was Sarai and Abram at the time. And you remember, God had promised them a child. And as you know, when God promises something and receiving the manifestation of that promise, sometimes it can take a while. That's why Hebrews 6.12, the, the Bible says, faith and patience inherit the promise. And it, sometimes it can't take a while. It was taking a while, as you know, and that catches us up to Genesis chapter 16, 1 through 4. Let's look at these verses. Here you've got Sarai and Abraham. They've received the promise of this child, but it's taken a while. And now, rather than continuing to surrender, they began to control the situation. And here's what happened. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant. How do you know that she was Egyptian? Because she walked like an Egyptian. Thank you. Whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. Now, would you think about this for a minute? Get it out of Sunday School Lesson 101. You've got Sarai 
telling her old geezer husband, hey, dude, this is not working. Let's control the situation. Here's my solution. Go into my young, pretty maid, sleep with her, and have a baby through that means. Now, it's not really said here in the King James, but in the Hebrew, Abraham prayed about it really quick. Father, should I? Yes, okay. <laughs> and Abram heeded the voice of Sarai, but he did. <laughs> then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, so he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived her mistress, the Sisari, became despised in Hagar's eyes. Listen to me very closely. To this day, that one act of control instead of surrender produced the Palestinians. The Palestinians to this day are a thorn in the side of Israel. To this day. And I want you to see what happens when we no longer surrender and we take that control back for ourselves. It always, and I mean always, ends up in a mess. And I know what you're saying because you look pretty holy. You look, and you look kind of quiet and sleepy too. But I know, I know what you're thinking. You think, Pastor, I would never be that dumb like Sarah and Abram. I would never do something like that. Really? Let's try this one on for size. Maybe you're a single person in here. And you're a single woman and you're, you've been believing God for a husband and a good godly husband. And now it's starting to take a while. And so rather than believe God and continue to stay in faith and surrender that to God, you begin to take control. And no longer are you believing God for a good godly Christian husband. You're just believing for a husband. doesn't matter if they're Christian or not. And the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So all of a sudden now, no longer is a good godly Christian husband, it's just a husband. And right now, as a matter of fact, you're on the phone right now at FarmersOnly.com looking up who you can match up with. I like his hat. That's a 10-gallon hat. I like that guy. Be very cautious, Sarah. You're taking control. How about this one? You're not going to like this one any further. How about in the area of the tithe? I got this, God. I want to control 100% of it because I'm smarter than you. I got this. Hallelujah. How about this one, Mom? Hey, listen, please, just be patient. If I haven't offended you yet, I'll get to you. <laughs> Just work with me. Give me a little time. Guys, I'm not trying to bite your head. I'm not trying to rag on you. I'm really not. I'm trying to help us understand when we control all of these things, that's when they get messed up. That's why they're messed up. When we surrender them to God, that's when they get blessed up. And boy, is that true. How about this, moms, dads, helicopter parents? You come in, here you go, you get flying with your little helicopter, you go to your kid's game, and you get out and you yell at the referee because of what they did to your kid 
or you yell at the coach worse still because they're not putting your kid into the game. You're taking control, mom. Dad, you're taking control. You got to surrender this thing to God. Plus, your kid stinks. Have you seen him play? He's no good. <laughs> you need to come to the realization he needs to go into math because he is not an athlete. We're having fun. We're just, well, let me put it differently. I'm having fun. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Come on, we, 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 we tried to take control. Or maybe we're, we're so afraid because our, uh, maybe we had another child hurt or something. So, so, I mean, you've got, okay, you tell your kid, you know, you're in the house. Go, go to the mailbox, honey, and get the mail for me. But before you do, make sure you put on your helmet and your elbow pads and your knee pads and wrap yourself in bubble wrap because, after all, something could happen on the way to the house, to the mailbox. Oh, let him go to the mailbox. And, I, and I'm not telling you that we should not take parental precautions. We do. I'm not telling you to be responsible, but I am telling you to stop trying to control everything. Surrender to God. He can protect your child so much better than you can. Again, all the parental responsibilities, of course. I got, I got, thank you, Mom, for the handcuff. God bless you, Mom. That's a, that's a blessing. Trust not or lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Let's surrender. Now you say, Pastor, how, how, how do I know what to do here? Because this is a big issue for me. And there, how many understand there is a God part and there is a man part? And, and we can't mix those up. Proverbs 21, 31, the Bible says that the horse is prepared for battle, but victories of the Lord. So there's a, a man part to this. I, 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 must, I must be carefree, but I must not be careless. I, I cannot absolve myself of personal responsibility. How many know there are certain things that God won't do for us? How, how many of you know he won't do your dishes for you? Have you noticed that? How many know he won't balance your checkbook for you? Have you noticed that? And he won't even raise your kids for you. We have to do that. But there's a man part, my part, a woman part, your part, but there's also a God part, and we've got to make sure that we take responsibility for our part, but then we relinquish responsibility to God's part. Yeah, that's right. How do I know that? How do I know what to do? And let me talk to you. I'm going to give you three questions you need to ask yourself when you're determining, is this my part or is this God's part? Do I need to take control of this thing or do I need to surrender here? Are you interested at all? Because when we surrender to God... That's when we get blessed, when we try to take control of what belongs to him. That's when we end up in a mess. So let me give you one question, and we'll break that down a little bit for you, and I think this will help. Question number one, check it out. Is it worth my concern? That's the first thing. Before I decide, do I control the situation? Is this my part? Is this God's part? You've got to ask yourself, is it worth my concern? Let me give you a verse, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11. Check it out. And that you study to be quiet. I think from this crowd you have that down well. <laughs> that you study to be quiet and to do your own business. One translation says to mind your own business. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, you know what to do. Mind your own business. Look, look at that. And to work with your hands as we commanded you. Now, what he's not telling you is to be not caring or, or that we don't have compassion. 
Of course, Christian virtue is that we must care and we must have compassion. But how many also know that not everything is our business? How many know Proverbs 26, 17 through 19? The Bible says, when you take a dog by its ears, you're going to get bit. Certain things that just don't belong to me. Certain things that are not my concern. When I was younger, I wanted to know everything. Now that I'm older and wiser, I'm caring, I'm compassionate, but there's so much I don't want to know about. Don't tell me that. Not interested. It will simply complicate my life and yours. So let's break it down. How do I know? Is it my concern? Let me give you four concern concepts, and this will help us understand. Is this my part, or do I relinquish control to God? Check it out. Concept number one, this is worth coming for. If you pick a battle you're not anointed to fight, you'll pick up a burden that you're not anointed to bear. Listen to me closely. Please look your pastor in the eyes, unless you're pregnant. <laughs> Listen to me. Not... Every fight is your fight. There are certain fights that are mine, and I know it, and I'm glad to take those. But there are many fights that are not mine. And if I pick up a fight that I'm not anointed to fight, I'm going to pick up a burden that I'm not anointed to bear. And I watch people pick up other people's fights that do not belong to them, and most of you pick them up on Facebook. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You know what I'm saying is true. If we're not cautious, we pick up fights on Twitter. We pick up fights on Instagram. We pick up these fights that do not belong to us. That's their deal. That's none of my concern. I'm not going to get in this gossip chain. That is not my fight. Most of your lives would be so much more peaceful if you did not pick up political fights on Facebook. How many of those have you solved? None. Because there are certain people you have to understand in life that all they want to do is fight. They don't want to come to solution. They want to fight. Welcome to our government shutdown. Thank you. Thank you for my four relatives in the back. That's a, that's a blessing. Number two, check it out. Pick your battles or you will demoralize people. What do I mean by that? Listen to me closely, please. You can't fight every fight. How, how many in here, you, you, you got kids? How, how many in here, you got teenagers? How many in here, you got 233 teenagers? Yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot. Listen, if you got teenagers, you got, you got to know. You can't, I got a teenager. You can't pick every fight. You'll demoralize your teenager if you pick every fight. Now, I don't mean to be irresponsible. I don't mean that we're, not, uh, that we're unengaged. I don't mean any of that. But you can't pick every fight with your teenager. You, you, nobody has enough emotional capital to do that. There, there's time. Let me tell you a little secret since my boy's not here, and, and you'll never tell him. I know. James, I know you'll keep this a secret, won't you? Okay, that's his buddy right there. All right. So every once in a while, his room is not as clean as it ought to be. And I'll go in there and I'll see it, but I won't say a blooming thing to him. Now, not period. You can't just, you know, hey, boy, you can't have a tornado in here. You know, you got to have it. You got to get real. Not period. But I don't tell him every time I see it dirty. I don't say, you get up there. I mean, the first thing he wakes up in the morning, I get up there and clean your room. And you know why? 
listen to me closely, there's going to come a time when I wish I saw his clothes on the bed because he's going to be gone. And I'm not one of these moms and dads that just can't wait to get rid of my kid. I love my kid. We've got a great relationship. I do. I love my kid. I'm, I, now, he, he's not allowed to stay in my basement until he's 40. You understand what I'm talking about. But I love my kid, and I'm not trying to kick him out. I, I love my kid. A lot of y'all hate your kid. I love my kid. And so I don't fight every fight with him because that's not worth it for a teenager. I save my emotional capital so that he doesn't murder people. You understand what I'm talking about? You, well, you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't fight every fight. I'm joking. You can't fight every fight because it will demoralize people. Same thing with your spouse. Say, if you're a boss, same thing with your employee. You can't fight every single fight. You have to believe for excellence. You have to have things right, but you've got to save emotional capital for the main things. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 23, 24, don't strain at gnats and swallow camels. In other words, don't major on minors. You, 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 can't, you can't fight every fight. There's certain things that almost, uh, this, is, this is my fight. We're, we're, we're going to throw down right here, but not this. That don't matter. In, light, in all of eternity, that doesn't matter. Are you with me? Sometimes we get upset over the littlest things, do we not? Do we not? I'm about to get upset over that little non-response. <laughs> we do. I've seen it all the time. And if you haven't seen it, check this couple out. Watch this. Thank you. Listen, I'm telling you, I can fix this thing if you would let me be for a minute so I can get it done. Honey, just quit being difficult. Shut Take it up. to the shop. I'm tired of hearing you. I'm not going to take you to the shop. Oh, I'm a real man. Okay, Mr. Man. I can't just hear you. Just quit flying off the handle. We'd all be all right. Listen. Excuse me, Dad. Yes? I was recently told a story by a teacher that I think could help us all out here. I would love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So, it was a nice summer day when two flies found a picnic lunch. Mm -hmm. Finding only bologna, they promptly ate their fill. Then the two flies flew off to a nearby well for a drink. Then they sat on a pump handle to rest and talk. After a few minutes, one fly said he had to leave and flew off only to drop dead a few feet away. The second fly flew off and he too dropped dead. That's terrible. What does it have to do with this though, sweetie? Well, the moral of the story is mm -hmm. don't fly off the handle when you're full of baloney. You can't fix that. That's not funny. Listen. <laughs> Oh, come on, there's a lot of wisdom there. Don't fly off the handle when you're full of baloney. You women really stick together, I've noticed this. <laughs> we get upset over the littlest things, and you can't, or you begin to demoralize people. Third uh, concern concept that you need to know, check it out. When it comes to organizations, you can have control, or you can have growth, but you can't have both. Listen to me, this is so important. This is something that I learned as a pastor. You, you realize now uh, with this new Joy Team membership coming up, you realize we're going to be having very close to 2,300 active, not just on the rolls, but active full-time Joy Team members. Isn't that awesome? Can we give God thanks? And I talk to young pastors all the time as their church is growing and so forth. And one of the things that I tell them is this principle. Because this is really important. If you want your church to grow, at some point you're going to have to relinquish control. And normally that comes right around the four or 500 mark of your church. And I, again, I'm not numbers conscious, but that's just about the time where if you don't relinquish some control, pastor, your church is never going to grow. Because God's not going to give you what will kill you. 
And I remember many years ago when we were on about the 500 mark, I had to relinquish a whole lot of control to my executive pastor and to my pastoral staff. Things that I liked doing, things that I wanted to do, things that I wanted to do just like I wanted to do it. But I knew in order to grow, I had to relinquish that control. And I'm so glad I did because it literally has meant thousands more lives being affected for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a CEO here... If you're, if you're a parent here or a manager, someone in charge, you must remember that principle. You're going to have to empower people. You're going to have to delegate. My personal rule is this. If they can do something 80% as good as I can, then I delegate it. And I know it's not always going to be done 100% like I want it, but that's in order to grow, you've got to relinquish control. And then our last concept concern is more relational. It's more for everybody in the house. Check it out. I love this. When it comes to relationships, you can have control or you can have intimacy. But you can't have both. At some point, husbands, wives, you've got to realize this person is different than you. 28 years, I recognized a long time ago, my wife is different than me. When, I, when, I was, when we were young and married, I would, try to, I would try to change her, to try to be very logical. I'm a very logical man, except when it comes to babies. <laughs> you, you understand. I try, to, I try to change her. I try to make her more like Judge Judy. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I don't want to kiss Judge Judy. I want to kiss her. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. And, and, and listen, I learned a long time ago the definition of a burden is trying to get someone to do something that they don't want to do. You cannot, I cannot change anybody else. All I can do is speak the truth in love and it is up to the Holy Spirit of God to change people. You, you, you understand that? And every time in my life that I've ever talked to God about changing her, I, it's such, God has such a sense of humor. He never ever talks to me about, yeah, she really does need to change. He always talks to me about what I need to change. So I stopped talking to him about... <laughs> God, I'm done with this conversation because I've got too much to change. You understand what I'm saying? I'm joking about that last part, but I'm not joking about that, what I said earlier. When I've talked to God about changing her, he always talks to God. He always talks to me about changing me. Why? Because he and I are the only ones that can change me. It's, it's, I just, it's between God and her as far as her change is concerned. And once you understand that, husbands and wives, I'm telling you right now, your marriage will be so much more blessed. My wife and I, 28 years, we don't, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we've got a great one. We could have, I mean, I, I woke up this morning, and the first thing I did, I just, oh, honey, I just told her how much I loved her. And I, I couldn't wait to, tonight, it's still my birthday week. Last week was my birthday, but she's made it my birthday week. I, get, so I asked her, I said, would you consider a birthday year? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just all year long, baby. And then we could just do it again next year. Oh, another all year long. Be birthday life before you know it. <laughs> so it's still my, it's still my brand. She's making special things for me, and she's giving me a massage every single night for a week. Is that something? And tonight I'm getting another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you all are dismissed. There you go. There's one going right now. Thank you. Only starts with one. 
<laughs> She's going, oh, I got an appointment with my, with my masseuse. Got to go, got to go. <laughs> I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, at some point in our lives, I've got to choose surrender over control. So important that we understand this. At some point in my life, I've got to trust the Lord with all of my heart and lean not to my own understanding. In all of my ways, I acknowledge him and he will direct my path. The reason that we don't surrender to God, listen to me closely, is because we don't understand how much he loves us. If we knew just how much he loved us, it would be so easy to relinquish control to God. As I mentioned before, this is my 35th year of ministry. I've seen so many different things. And every time that I say, okay, God, I surrender this area to you, it over, not overnight, but over time, is the area that ends up being so blessed. Every time that I control it and try to take it for myself, I got this, God, I got it, I got it. It always ends up a mess. May I challenge you in 2019? Choose God's purpose over popular. May I challenge you in 2019? Choose surrender over control.